This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going what's the driver of the Hills Racing 47 Night. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome in to Horsepower Happenings on a beautiful Monday evening. Week looks a little questionable, but we're going to hold our breath and hope for the best for a busy week of racing. Full show tonight as well. We've got a whole lot coming up, but first, let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Winchester Speedway officials announced Friday that the 50th running of its big October event will now carry an official sponsorship name. The Winchester 400, now going to be known as the Lucas Oil Winchester 400. How about Hendrick Motorsports? They're continuing to set NASCAR Cup Series records, picking up another win on Sunday. Kyle Larson passed and held off Chase Elliott for the win at Sonoma. It's four in a row for Hendrick Motorsports and four in a row with Hendrick drivers finishing 1-2. And how about this fun fact? In the last five races, Larson has three second place finishes and two wins. I bet there are businesses all over the country kicking themselves for not being on the side of that five car right now. Haley Deegan's official capacity with the Camping World SRX series was announced this week. She'll fill in for Tony Kanaan in two races, one at Knoxville and one at Slinger due to scheduling conflicts for Kanaan. Uh, By the way, I've seen this on social media. What are Haley Deegan's credentials? Let me remind you, she was the first female competitor to ever win a NASCAR K&N Pro Series West competition and she did it three times so that's it that's setting history and uh you know what she can drive i'm gonna say it come at me send me a message jonathan davenport won another big money late model race over the weekend as well picking up thirty-five thousand dollars during the historic 100 weekend finale at west virginia motor speedway those things and so much more happening tonight on horsepower happenings good evening welcome in i'm zach heiser rich france joins me from uh, across the way good evening sir how are you Great. Uh, spent uh, Memorial Day weekend on the dirt and had to get back to my favorite routes this weekend. But Zach, right before we get going with the show, I got to say, uh, Saturday night at Flat Rock, uh, we had a guy that uh, hadn't won a race and, and we were teasing him. It had been more than a minute, let's just say. He's three-time outlaw super late model champion at, at Flat Rock Speedway. Paul Pelletier picked up the win on Saturday night. And uh, the kind of cool thing, it was on his birthday out of turn four, fist in the air. So you know it meant a lot to him. Uh, before he even hit the checkers, that fist was waving. And we got the whole grandstand, uh, the hearty grandstand, by the way, uh, to sing happy birthday to Paul while he was in victory lane. Uh, it was just a great time. So I want I just wanted to take a second, congratulate Paul. He's, he's friends with a lot of the people we have on this program. 
and uh, he just did a great job on Saturday night. Do I not also understand, uh, did the uh, late model sportsman division, did they uh, crown a first-time winner over the weekend at Flat Rock as well? Yeah, they sure did, and you might remember, let me... You'll remember this name. Okay, it's a four. He is fourth generation driver. Okay. Okay. With the last name of Fair. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. Yes. What a what a what a name to go to Victory Lane. Yeah. So, yep. Max Fair picked up victory uh, in the late model sportsman division. Uh, of course, Max Fair is Harold Fair Jr.'s son. Awesome. So that that is the connection there. Um, a, a great moment. The whole family was down there. You know, Harold was there. His dad was there. It was a uh, it was a nice moment to, to watch Max pick up his first win. Well, I want to start the show off. The show's already underway, but uh, this first part of the segment, how about a Horsepower Happenings exclusive? GMS Racing announced a new driver to their team today. Daniel Dye will pilot the team's number 21 in the Arkham Menard Series East and Arkham Menard Series, the National Tour, the rest of this season. His first race will be coming up this Saturday at Southern National Motorsports Park. Well, Rich, it's our pleasure now to uh, get a chance to have an exclusive interview with the guy who's really got some things going on. Uh, this driver makes his way from uh, from the middle parts of Florida. We see him all the time with uh, Super Late Model Racing. Daniel Dye, thanks for joining us tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Daniel, a lot going on in your career all of a sudden. Uh, you know, it's been fun to follow you as you make this, this switch from... Uh, late model racing, super late model racing, pro late model racing. Uh, you started doing some Arkham Menards East Series stuff this year, and now all of a sudden we see that uh, you're making a change of, of teams, and that's going to bring on some new racing for you. Let's talk about that a little bit. First off, what what has led to the change for you to to leave Ben Kennedy Racing and now to to make this move to GMS? Yeah, it was um, you know the opportunity presented itself with. Uh, you know, with Jack Wood moving to the to the 24 truck this year for GMS, um, you know, the seat uh, in their ARCA program opened up. And, um, you know, it was a good opportunity to get some more races on my ARCA schedule this year, um, as well as, you know, be a part of such a well-established um, organization, as well as become a part of the driver's edge development, uh, you know, deal. So it was uh, it was it was really cool put that deal together ben kenny racing's been a, a big help in, in getting me ready to do something like this um you know i i started racing for for ben in late models starting in uh january of i think it was 2019 so uh you know making a big step here pretty early on in my career but we all think it's a uh, a good decision and something that's going to set me up well for my future talk about your confidence level i talked with uh cory heim uh, a couple weeks ago at Toledo Speedway, and um, he's doing very well in his transition from super late model racing to to ARCA racing. Um, that's got to give you a little bit of confidence that uh, you can make the transition as well. Yeah, it's a um, really it's a completely different type of racing, just the way that um, everybody races each other. Uh, it's it's a lot more aggressive, I think, and um, you know it, you got to have a different mindset when you strap into. Uh, an ARCA car. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. You know, we, we performed well this year, um, had some stuff that was out of my control that ended up, you know, taking us from, uh, you know, contending for the lead into, uh, you know, back to the back of the pack. So um, places that I've raced supers at have, have done good for me. Uh, you know, on the ARCA schedule, we led some laps at Pensacola this year and, and ran top five 
all night at New Smyrna up until, you know, the rain kind of got us. So um, I'm really looking forward to it. Supers are, are a ton of fun, and they, they teach you a whole lot about, about racing. So, um, yeah, it, it should be should be a good good little deal here. But like uh, like it says in, in our release, I'm going to be going to a lot of tracks I've, I've never seen anything like before. So I uh, got some stuff that I can use from Supers, but uh, got some stuff that I'm going to need to learn, too. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that, too. So, Southern National, Elko, Berlin, Iowa, Winchester, Milwaukee, Bristol, and Phoenix. You've seen some of these tracks before. Some of them you have not seen. Do you have any on your schedule right now that you're kind of circling, either excited to go to, nervous to go to, looking forward to? What are you What are you eyeballing now? Well, I mean, all of those for all of them. But, uh, you know, I think I think the one I'm excited for is, is Phoenix. Um, honestly, just cause I have unfinished business there in a quarter midget race. I know it sounds crazy, but, uh, I, I got, I got, um, I got wrecked with like five to go in a national race in a, in a quarter midget in Phoenix, like four years ago. And it still hurts to this day. So, uh, I got, I got some unfinished business there, even if it is in a quarter midget out in the parking lot, but, uh, that, and, uh, you know, Bristol, Sam, Sam in the last two years has dominated it at Bristol in the 21 car. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Chad has to, uh, to bring to the racetrack and see what we can do there. But, you know, uh, as far as the six other races go, um, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm real confident in my, uh, short track racing abilities as well as, uh, you know, I think, I think I have a good ability to learn in GMS and having Chad Bryant, on my side is going to be huge. Uh, we, we actually took Chad to Dover, uh, for our last Arca East race. And, uh, he helped me a lot teaching me stuff about arrow and, and just the different ways to race bigger tracks. So looking forward to having him on my side and, and being able to use his experience to my advantage. And Daniel, what I, what I've noticed, what I think is pretty cool, you know, all the super late model events we've been to, it's never been hard to find that 43 car. It looks so sharp. Um, and this 21 solar fit Chevrolet, man, you just like putting yourself in pretty equipment. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kevin Striegel with Kevatron media has made some good schemes. Uh, our late model scheme this year is, is actually a kind of a throwback to my dad, uh, back in 1999, um, you know, with our little spin on it and our colors and stuff. But, uh, yeah, the Arca car is pretty sick. I, uh, I spent about two or three weeks trying to work on making that thing look good and, and I told Kevin I gave up, and the next morning he had a pretty good-looking ride, and uh, I'm looking forward to putting it on the racetrack. I want to talk about your primary sponsor, and then uh, we'll let you go because I know this is very important to, to everybody that's been involved in your career. Talk to me about your association with uh, Race to Prevent, or is it Race to Stop Suicide? Uh, I know that's been on the hood of your cars or on primary sponsor locations of your cars for quite some time. Talk about that partnership. Yeah, so it started out um, a partnership with Halifax Health in my hometown of Daytona Beach. Um, you know, it's it's something that's that's hit close to me, and and that I've been more open about uh, over the past little bit. But uh, that's that's hit close to home for me the whole time. Um, it's a little easier to talk about now, but uh, yeah, and I've I've had some friends that have that have gone through some stuff too, some close friends. Um, so it's, it's just something that I've, I've been around a good bit and I know it's how serious it is. And, um, you know, really all it takes is, you know, asking somebody if they're okay sometimes and a five or 10 minute conversation to change your mind about something 
So, um, you know, I said in an interview one time that uh, if, if all it takes is 10 minutes, I got all the 10 minute time slots in the world. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's real close to me, uh, real close to a lot of people around me. I know every single one of our partners are, uh, are really helpful in, um, in making sure that we can keep that, uh, that message on the race car and, uh, keep letting people know that there are, uh, there are places to go to get help. And there are a lot of people that care, even if they might not even know your name. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm real proud to be able to bring that message to GMS and, and get it in front of a bigger crowd and, and try and help some more people. Daniel Dye making the switch to GMS Racing just announced earlier today. Uh, Daniel, we appreciate you making some time for us. Good luck, and I tell you what, we're looking forward to seeing you come to Berlin right here in the state of Michigan in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm excited too. going to be cool to, to race that place. I know they've uh, added a good bit, of, good bit of stuff in the grandstands, so looking forward to getting in front of those Michigan fans. That's and it. don't get it. And don't get a haircut. I want to be able to find you really easy. All right. <laughs> uh, don't worry. The, the only time I get haircuts is when my dad forces me to. I don't. I don't like cutting my hair at all. <laughs> Spoke, spoken like a true seventeen-year-old. Daniel Dye, a pleasure. Thanks for making your debut tonight on Horsepower Happenings, and uh, good luck in your new ride coming up this weekend. Uh, we hope to see good things out of it. Thank you very much. Well, I want to say thanks to uh, Kevin Striegel and Daniel Dye. Uh, that was kind of a last-minute thing that we put together tonight. Really uh, th- appreciate Kevin giving us the scoop on that um, because this is a this is a big deal. I've had a chance to talk with Daniel a couple of times. Him and I went head-to-head in an iRacing event at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway one time. That was fun. And uh, great kid. And I'm excited, Rich, let me say this, to see him get into new equipment to him. We talk about this a lot with other drivers. Get into new equipment and then see what you're made of. Exactly. And just like I said to him, Zach, you know, we, when I, when I talked to Corey Heim, he, they're both on the same path. You know, Corey Heim's 18 years old, working his way up. You know, Ty Gibbs never spent a whole lot of time in a super late model, but these are young kids that are making their way. And Daniel Dye, it seems like, it almost seems like he's been in a super late model forever. Yeah. uh, Because I, everywhere we've been the last few years, he's been there. So uh, it's great to see him get the chance at the next level, and and I think he'll make the best of it. And let me say this, too, because I know Daniel's got some haters out there. He is in a driver development program where he was not in before, so he's going to get some coaching. He's going to get some training. He's going to really get some molding through GMS now, and I think we're going to see a change in that uh, now number 21 car. You don't get, a, you don't get uh, an opportunity to be in this position without knowing – what you're doing in the seat of a race car for sure uh, dan daniel die can drive a race car absolutely um he almost to maybe a little bit overconfident at times but he's really really good and i think he's going to i think he's going to be uh i think he's going to take advantage of this i i, I wish him the best of luck i think i really hope it works out for him because uh because he deserves it. He's a nice kid. He really is. Let's talk about some super late model racing, Rich. Uh, man, you you had your eyes on this one over the weekend, and was it disappointing? Did it not disappoint? Nonetheless, there is drama in the late model world again. Yep, and when you say drama, you have to say slash Stephen Nassie, right? Every <laughs> time, right? We have to do that. Stephen Nassie doesn't want to say that he's owed a victory or two at Five Flag Speedway. Uh, but he certainly isn't going to complain about being on the right side of a disqualification uh, at the Pensacola Oval. On Friday night, 
Massey was credited with the Blizzard Series season opening victory at the track following Sammy Smith's disqualification for a carburetor infraction. While Massey, who was uh, disqualified from the Snowball Derby in 2019, doesn't like celebrating over someone else's misfortune, he wasn't going to complain about luck uh, getting lucky going into victory lane in the tech shed at Five Flags. I hate to say some things owed to me, but I feel like karma's coming back my way, Nassie said. I, I feel like Five Flags owes me a couple and has taken a couple wins from me, and tonight we lucked into one. At the same time, I hate to see it for Sammy and his guys. The victory was Nassie's first win, Zach, since his departure from Jet Smoke Motorsports earlier this season. Yeah, glad to see him get one. And uh, you know what we always said when we were racing, Rich? A win's a win, and we'll take him any way we can get him. Let's talk about some dirt racing from over the weekend as a wrap-up of a doubleheader weekend. The Great Lakes Super Sprints, presented by Engine Pro and ARP, unloaded at Butler Motor Speedway for the first time of the 2021 season on Saturday. A full field of 24 360-wing sprint cars got ready to duel it out at the battlegrounds. Redemption, long-awaited victory. Those were the stories at the end of the night. A pair of former GLSSS, uh, GLSS champions led the field to the green. Ahead of 25 rotations around the 3.8 high-banked oval, Dustin Daggett, Chase Ridenauer at the point, and Daggett wasted no time jumping out into the lead down the back straightaway, but he was quickly halted when a lap one caution flew for Corbin Gurley, who had a flat right rear tire coming to the start. On the restart, Daggett, again, able to jump out. He was the driver to beat, pulling away from Chase Ridenauer and Ryan Rule. Right now we're struggling as he fell through the field out of the top five quickly, and Rule made a move for second. Lamberson, he came with him. That's Brad Lamberson, a winner of Friday night. We'll talk about that more coming up. And uh, they were on the move until the first and only red flag of the night was displayed on lap seven. Eli Lakin spun in the middle of turns one and two, coming to a stop while trying to avoid. Frankie Neal spun in front of Lakin, causing the 88N to hop over onto its side. All drivers were okay. That was the end of the night for both of them, though. Back under green, Lamberson makes his way into the second spot, beginning the mission of tracking down Dust at Daggett, displacing Rule. It appeared Lamberson would need a caution to have a chance at Daggett, and that's what the drivers got with nine laps to go when Zane DeVault slowed in the 16B. Daggett opened up a half a straightaway lead on his way to a win, though, uh, when the green came back. He beat Lamberson, Rule, Danny Sams III, and Jared Horseman, who finished in fifth, Phil Gressman, by the way, picked up the Hoosier Racing Tire Hard Charger Award, picking up six spots to finish 10th. Well, Zach, uh, I got to hit the road uh, on Friday night, and I made it out to the Kalamazoo Speedway. And entering Friday night's COVID clash at Kalamazoo, Steve Needles hadn't had the finishes he would have liked uh, over the past several years at Kalamazoo. Well, that all changed this weekend as Needles swept the night and grabbed the big $5,000 payday. His perfect night started in qualifying, topping the 16-car field. But then came the dreaded roll of the dice for the inversion uh, with the Kalamazoo Speedway's reputation for large inverts. Needles would roll an eight and added to the typical six for larger events would mean that Needles would start 14th for the 100-lap event. Uh, that number seemed to be no problem for Needles as he knifed his way through the field while also using patience at times. Uh, by the halfway mark, Needles would find himself running second. With 36 laps remaining, Needles would work underneath Doug True on the front stretch and never look back. Uh, Tyler Roerig, who has been dominant in events at the West Michigan Bullring in recent years, tried to keep pace with Needles. Uh, inside 25 laps to go, Roerig would move his number 24 machine 
to the runner-up position. Rorick seemed to be closing on needles in the final 10 laps, but never got close enough to mount a challenge. Phil Bozell, who seemed to have a very solid car all day, uh, worked around true late uh, in the event to put himself on the podium. And Zach, I, I was able to catch up with a content Phil Bozell to discuss his run. Back in the pit area following COVID Clash 28 at Kalamazoo Speedway, and we're with your third place finisher, Phil Bozell. We talked earlier, you had a consistent car all day. Uh, looks like that's what you had tonight, top five all night long, and then you made a couple spots up at the end. Yeah, we just uh, we were lacking a little bit of that just rip-off speed. We were, uh, just couldn't quite find the balance. Uh, our practice set of tires wasn't as good as our qualifying race set, uh, so we made some adjustments, and then uh, we guessed a couple for the feature, and I knew the car would be good on long runs. It's just the track, it's pretty line sensitive. The top was pretty dominant tonight, and the bottom there wasn't very much grip, and this, this tire is uh, really creating a headache for a lot of people here, and you just gotta be really easy on it. Ran half throttle for a long part of the race, and uh, late in the run there, uh, that restart kind of hurt me. I knew Tyler and uh, Needles on the outside, they'd get the run, so I had to go around uh, Doug there, and I knew he wanted to the top, so I had to dig on the bottom, dig on the bottom, and it, it was a tough pass, but we made it work. Uh, he gave us plenty of room. Lots of clean racing tonight. Hats off to these guys. Uh, it was pretty clean racing all through, and uh, I guess we'll take a third. Those guys had great cars. Steve was fast all day. Hats off to them guys. They've been, they've been fast, and uh, we'll take third, take it home, and uh, get ready for the next one. Like you said, you get by Doug True late. Uh, that was pretty much it because those guys were in another zip code by that point. Yeah, yeah. Once I got past Doug, it was just... I was just along for the ride. I wasn't even going to try to catch those guys. They were way out there. My Uncle Ron was telling me how far ahead they were, how far behind they were. I was pulling away from the guys behind me. So we just wanted to get to the end. Not a scratch on the car. We'll take it home, get it ready for Spartan, make a few adjustments for up there, and uh, get ready to go again. Phil, great job. Thank you. And Zach, on the other hand, uh, Tyler Roerg didn't seem to have the consistency, consistency in his car to his liking. And, uh, you know, the common denominator was tires. And I caught up with Tyler to discuss his event. Back in the pit area following COVID Clash 28, and we caught up with your runner-up finisher, Tyler Roerig. Um, we talked today, weren't real happy with the car. Um, Steve kind of moved up through the pack a little quicker than you did, uh, and you just came up a few laps short. Yeah, you know, uh, Steve, I mean, he was the fastest car all day. You know, he uh, was fast qualifier and, and really just drove away from us in the race there. We could, like, kind of keep pace at the end, but... I mean, that was about it. I'm, I would say he's probably just being conservative and I was, you know, 110%. But uh, yeah, you know, earlier in the day in practice, my car was uh, really, really good. Put a new set of tires on to qualify and uh, wasn't as good. So uh, had this happen last week with the sprint car kinda. And uh, I don't know what the deal is, but it's a little frustrating. But either way, you know, still a good night for us. Uh, Steve was the best car no matter what, you know. So uh, either way, I got, I got some work to do, I think, you know. Um, just uh, let's try again here uh, in August. We've talked about the F70 tires. Uh, we, we've talked to you about it before. Uh, we've talked about the 10-inch slicks. Um, you say, I'll race on whatever you give me. Um, is your mind starting to change a little bit? Uh, I mean, no, I, I'll still race on anything as long as it's like repeatable. That's all I want. You know, if I put one set of tires on, I want the next set to do the same thing. You know, that's, that's all I want, because otherwise, what's the point of practicing, right? Or, we should just all draw straws and line up and race, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just. I don't like. I said I don't care what the tire is. I just want something that's racy and something that's that uh, you know is the same from one set to another. You know, I don't want you know the car to be to do a 180 from from one set to another. And 
I even had that happen in a sprint car last week. Um, you know, like I said on many interviews, my my car wasn't that good the first uh, the first stint on the first set of tires, and we put another set on us, and it's like you flipped a switch. I mean, the car was uh, it, it was it was awesome, and today it was it was the exact opposite. You know, I wish I would have had you know been been reversed on my tires, but uh, that's just the game you play. You know, uh, it, it's just the way it goes. I'm sure I'm sure other people. Uh, have the same issue, you know, whether they know it or not. It's just, uh, it's just part of it. You get inside ten to go. You start closing it on Steve. Did you think you had a shot to get to him? Uh, no, honestly, I, like I said, I, I'm sure. I don't know if he was going like as hard as he could or not. I, I wouldn't think he was, but. Uh, um, and I was driving the life out of my car, so I, I noticed I started inching just a little. But I mean it. Like I said, I mean, we might have gained a car length or two at, at most, but even if I got to him, I, there's no way I could have passed him. I mean, my car just wasn't, it just wasn't there tonight. Well, this is the first time we've seen each other on camera. Congratulations on your little 500 win a week ago, and nice run tonight, runner-up finish. Yes, thank you. And Zach, but in the end, uh, it was Needles race to lose, and I tracked down a uh, very happy Steve Needles and debriefed him with him about the sweep of his day. Man, fast qualifier bring it home, um, planned it all day like that, right? Yeah, it's the way we always plan it, right? <laughs> yeah, we always plan to sweep the day, but it doesn't always work out that way. But no, we've been working really hard on our package here at Kalamazoo, trying to get better and um, be a little more competitive. And, um, you know, but 10 years ago, we were really hard to beat here, but we've really struggled here the last few years and just really haven't put the effort into it that, that we really should have. And so we've really put a concentrated effort on in on that and, and it's starting to pay off, starting to show. And we were really happy with our car all day long from the time we unloaded, um, obviously until the time the checkered flag flew. So um, overall, it was a pretty successful day. We've got something to build upon going forward. You start 14th, you get to the front pretty quickly. <laughs> it looked like you made a, a conscious effort to get out of the back and get up front. Yeah, yeah, you know, we wanted to get up there as soon as we could. Um, Doug True had a really good car early on. Um, you know, I kind of sat behind him for about 15, 20 laps and watched him use the right rear up and then finally started to come back to us. But, you know, the, the, the plan really here is to get out in clean air, and these cars drive so much better when you're in clean air and not caught up in somebody else's jet wash. So, um, you know, it, that was somewhat the plan, but, you know, we also didn't want to burn tires up getting there. So um, it, was a, it was a little bit of a balance of both, but we, we definitely wanted to get out front early. Like we talked before, didn't look like you had a whole lot of drama coming to the front. Uh, car looked pretty good doing it. Yeah, yeah, a couple of tight squeezes there in the middle of the race, but luckily the cautions fell our way, and, um, you know, everybody was, was pretty good out there racing, giving everybody room, and um, pretty good clean racing tonight. You get into the, you, you get into the, into the final 10 laps, and uh, you have company. Tyler's starting to close in. Yep. Uh, you knew that was coming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tyler's so good here. He's so good everywhere. And um, we knew he'd be starting to put some pressure on us, you know, towards the end of the race because he always does. He's a, it's when he comes on his strongest. And, you know, we tried to save a little bit for the end. And, and my goal is just make smooth laps, not push the car beyond what its limits are. And if he got to our bumper, that's fine. But, you know, he was still going to have to try to pass us. So, um, you know, overall, I was pretty happy with the race we ran. I think we got to find a little bit more speed yet before we come here back here for the clash in the fall. But I, I think we got a really good piece to build upon. You talk about not being really good here in about 10 years. But in that 10-year span, and especially in the last five or six years, you've been really, really good everywhere else. Yeah, yeah, we really have. And, and we, we've really focused on our big tire program. And when we come back here on the small tires, we've struggled a little bit. So um, we've kind of flip-flopped that a little bit this year. We've, we've put a lot more effort into our small tire program just because, you know, we want to run better here at Kalamazoo. Um, this is so close to home for us. We love racing here. It, it's such a fun racetrack. And, um, 
you know, we, we just wanted to be better, and we, we've worked really hard at it. And um, yeah, we've had a lot of success other places, but we're finally starting to get our bearings back here. I know you got your family and a bunch of people to help you out in this car, and then there's names on this car as well. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, Brian Short, uh, our car owner, gives us top-notch equipment. I mean, he doesn't even he doesn't question anything. If we feel like it's something that we need, he's just go ahead and get it. So I can't thank him enough. Um, obviously, his son Brandon's a pretty big part of our team as well, you know, and, and his feedback is pretty instrumental in, in making this thing go. Um, we've got, you know, my dad who's in the shop every single day busting his tail on this thing, lunch breaks, dinner, uh, in the in the shop with me till midnight every night. You know, he, he busts his tail on this thing. Um, my crew guys, Matt and Chris Modulewski, who are here every single week, um, working their butts off at the racetrack. My mom, who feeds us all. Um, my wife and my son, who deal with me being away from home every night when I'm in the shop working on these race cars. So um, there's a lot of people that make this thing possible. Steve, congratulations. Great run tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you. And Zach, a big shout out also to Bubba Brooks, who uh, took home a big win himself in the Ravers Rumble 50 lap feature event for the Street Stocks. And he took home a cool $2,500. And, uh, and Zach, we also like to take a minute to thank Doug True and True Performance and Fabrication uh, for coming on board as a presenting sponsor for our social media coverage for the COVID clash. Yeah, I was thinking there for a minute, it'd be pretty cool if he sponsored the race that he won because that would be really easy marketing strategy for us going forward. Uh, but, hey, it was still a good run. He led for quite a long time, and he had me thinking he was going to get it done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, an exciting weekend for the Bauer family at Merritt Speedway Saturday night. Joe Rokas and five-time champion Brent Banning led the uh, Cadillac Tire Center UMP Dirt Car Modifieds for their 25-lap feature event on Saturday. Once the green flag waved, Rokas stormed off with the early race advantage. He would hold on to the lead until lap five when he made contact with a lapped car, resulting in damage that would end his night. Wyatt Baker would take over the lead from there and would lead through the final circuit. However, entering the front stretch, coming to the checker, three-time track champion Chad Bauer went side-by-side -side with Baker and managed to get the win by thousandths of a second. I believe it was actually uh, five one-hundredths of a second at the stripe for the win. It was close, nonetheless. Chad Bauer gets the win, and Baker had to settle for second. Caleb Kill, Brian Brindley, and Banning complete the top five. Then in late models... The 30-lap uh, A main was led by Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer Steve Hilliker and Ryan Lampfeard as they came to the green. Hilliker took the top spot early, and then on lap four, hard-charging Cody Bauer got out front, and that was it. That was the story. Cody leads the rest of the way, and he picks up the win. Pair of wins for the father and son duo. Two-time track champion David Melke rebounded from last week's blunder to finish second. Lampfeard in third, Mike Vandermark Jr. fourth and Andrew Terrell capped off the top five from Merritt Speedway. Rich, interesting. These next stories from around the rest of the state have a real interesting uh, subject line, and we're going to talk about it when you're all done. Okay. We'll give we'll give it a shot, and then you're going to let me know what it is, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clue you in here if you haven't picked up on it. Okay, so uh, a small field of dirt car UMP late models unloaded Friday night at Winston Speedway at Rothbury, Michigan. Um Field of a couple of dozen cars made the 25 rotations around the dirt oval. But in the end, it was Brandon Thurlby who picked up the win, coming from his third starting position. Thurlby bested pole sitter Nick Kurtz, Rich Neeser, Phil Osra, and Kevin Jusela, who rounded out the top five. And a tough car count on Saturday for the Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. With the Outlaw Super Late Model Division, Matt Frazier came from the last starting spot sixth 
uh, to win the 40-lap feature event. Zach Cook and John Gerhardt uh, rounded out the podium. And, Zach, I see where you're going with this already. Travis Stemmler capitalized on a, on a strong starting spot to get back to victory lane Friday night at Tri-City Motor Speedway. Starting alongside Eric Spangler, Stemmler bested the field of 16 cars en route to the win. Derek Hilliker finished third ahead of Alex Schubert and David Hilliker. So, Rich France, what is going on with car counts in premier divisions at racetracks all of a sudden? You know, I don't know, Zach. Uh, we had a, I, I think with the late models, uh, my opinion is we had a long weekend, Memorial Day weekend a week ago for the All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series. Um, we had some good cars, really good cars there. I think they had 27 um, there, or they, 25 took the green, I think. Um, I think it, they just needed a break to put some cars back together maybe and um, you know, before they go back at the next Challenge Series event. That's what I think. Well, what, 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 what's going on with you? I mean, you I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm wondering, uh, and I'm kind of looking on social media too, I'm wondering if the pandemic from last year has not rearranged some importance for, for some drivers and for some teams because I'm seeing families taking advantage of nice days to go to the lake, go to the beach, um, you know, go golf, uh, you know, go to birthday parties and graduation parties and weddings. And I'm wondering if there's been a shift in the mindset after the COVID-19 pandemic where folks aren't racing every single week anymore and they're taking some time to do some other things. You know, Zach, we... It's kind of funny. We had a conversation um, about this in the tower at, at Flat Rock on, on Saturday night. And um, I don't think it's just the drivers and teams. I think it's the fans as well. Um, you know, if the fans aren't coming in, um, if they're uncomfortable sitting in a packed grandstand, which some people are, and that's their decision, if they don't want to do that, uh, that's fine. But the promoters can't just load up the payroll and start paying out big, big money at most of these tracks. If you aren't putting fans in the seats, you, you know, we, we um, talked about this in the HPH thread too, to, to your point, And that's why I'm kind of interrupting you. Did the, <clears throat> did the post, and, and this isn't official, but this is just me saying, did the post pandemic glitter fall off of, of our sport already? No, I, I don't, well, I, I think everybody wants to, I, I think big, the big thing, Zach, is everybody wants to think it's over and we're done because, hey, we're allowed to have people at the racetrack and- Right, we're at max capacity. And, and we're at max capacity. But um, let's keep in mind, there's still very sick people out there and there's still people dying every day. So it's not gone uh, by any means. Are we in a whole lot better place than we were a year ago? Lord, yes. Um, you know, but it's going to take some time, Zach. And I think- it might be, you know, to get our sport back to normal um, with a little stability. I think I think it might take till the beginning of the 2022 season. All right. Well, I just wanted to bring that up because uh, I this was strange that uh, we had started off so strong with car counts and fan counts, and now here we are, just the beginning of June, Rich, and we're already starting to see car counts dwindling. And uh, fan counts have been okay, but they haven't been great, and they're not going to get better if uh, if if we don't have the cars to support the 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 shows that we're trying to promote. I mean, how many cars did we have at a five thousand dollar outlaw show at, at the Clash? Granted, all very very good cars, Rich, but 
we didn't send anybody home. We didn't run any last chance qualifiers. So that's what I'm wondering. That's, that's true. But if it makes you feel any better, it's not just the local tracks. Um, look at what the Arkham Menard series, plural. Yeah. Um, East and the main series and what, what they're struggling with. So this is not a local problem. Um, any car counts that, you know, the, the low car counts, this is a national problem. And, and that's why I think it's, it's kind of like the back end of a COVID snooze, maybe a, a little bit. Uh, and it may have to do with some sponsors. Absolutely. Because some of those sponsors didn't have the business they've had in the last year. So they don't have the marketing money to spend on race cars. I mean, that's absolutely true what happens. So we'll just have to see. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll, but I think it's going to take a while. Um, I think we get through this year and, Everybody can get their feet back under them after several tracks not being able to run a year ago. I think that's huge. Um, kind of get their feet back under them again and then go at it Go at it again in 2022. And I think we're also seeing, too, right now, more so than ever, we're seeing a lot of competition within racetracks and teams and series and all that. There's a lot of people pulling for that racetrack dollar in a lot of different directions right now because because of trying to make up for lost time and so naturally uh it's going to thin the herd out a little bit so i'm not um i'm not hitting the panic button you know i'm not i'm not slamming on the the panic button yet i'm just wondering you know are, are people spending more money on tackle boxes or are they uh just pumping the brakes on going to the races until unless it's only big shows uh and has the weekly racing show lost its flair? And, and there's a whole other line of discussion that we can have that we don't have time for, but just a couple of nuggets for you to think about here as uh, as the weeks roll on. I'm, I'll be happy to talk to you about this subject anytime you want. I am just so glad you didn't talk about tires. <laughs> <laughs> American racers, Hoosiers, uh, F70s, the slicks. Anybody, what do you want, yeah, what do you want to talk right. about? <laughs> next story, next story. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Hey, let's talk about this. What a show. What a show. Perhaps, Rich France, may I say, the best show I have called in 2021 maybe the best show i have called in the last two years and my memory's not long enough to go any further than that this race friday night at i-96 speedway was as the kids say bussin lit off the chains it was the greatest thing since sliced bread in a shocking turn of events friday with the great lake super sprints parma michigan's brad lamberson found himself on a way to his first career trip to glss victory lane the popular win came after an exciting 25 laps at i-96 let me paint you a picture on the drop of the green flag fans retreated to a three-wide battle off of turn two we're talking about opening lap rich we barely made it to the back straight away and they're three wide uh let me see here dustin daggett going straight to the outside of turns one and two taking the lead by the time the field entered the back stretch Although the night uh, that that night drivers found themselves struggling to find grip on the top of turn two with no cushion and a line of dry slick by the end of hot laps, Daggett was able to set the pace for much of the race, and it was a quick one. At one point, Daggett had opened up nearly a straightaway's advantage over Lamberson, who was hard at work holding off a charge from Max Stambaugh. Daggett even survived a lap nine restart following a spin and subsequent soft tip over of Shane Simmons, who would even continue after they got his car put back on all four tires. The complexion of the race, though, began to change when Daggett ran deep into slower traffic after the halfway point. Daggett had lapped cars all the way up until the 11th spot, where 2016 GLSS champion Chase Ridenauer was running. And as you know, Rich, once you start to lap up to a certain part of the field, 
they start to get harder to pass. Daggett, he was uh, trying real hard to get around uh, Chase Reidenauer, and as he did so, Lamberson and Stamball began reeling him in. And as that happened, the number 85 made a critical mistake, dropping a right rear tire off the exit of turn two, sliding off the banking on the backstretch. However, in an incredible display of driving, Daggett was able to pull the car back on the speedway entering turn three, but the damage was already done. Stamball, Lamberson both snuck underneath the slower machine of Daggett through the corner. Lamberson continued to lead the way. Stambaugh in tandem around the outside of I-96 Speedway. Daggett right there in third. It's a three-car battle for the front. Two laps to go, Rich France. Stambaugh makes a move to the inside of Lamberson going into turn number one to try to win the race. He throws a massive slide job from the tractor tires wholesale up to the top of the racetrack. Lamberson quickly answers back, coming to an almost complete stop as Stambaugh slid between himself and Ridenauer to momentarily take the top spot. Lamberson turns hard left, drives down the banking, and uh, he's got the lead by the time they hit the backstretch. White flag in the air. Lamberson again sails off into turn one. This time, Stambaugh enters higher, looking for a drive out of turn two and down the backstretch for a shot at the lead. Instead, Stambaugh loses the top of the racetrack, exiting turn two, slides back a couple of spots before re-entering in turn three. At the stripe, Lamberson picks up the win. Jared Horseman sneaks up to second ahead of Daggett, Stambaugh, and Brett Mann, who, by the way, check this out, Hoosier Racing Tire Hard Charger Award, 14 positions Brett Mann advanced through the course of that race. What a show! What a show! Give me that every week, and uh, you'll never see a problem with fans in the stands. I'm telling you what, I'm still jacked up, Rich France. I'm sounds still like, jacked up. Yeah, sounds like, I, I, well, at least you got your voice back, right? <laughs> I, I, I've heard you announce a race. Uh, you had to have been a little hoarse after that one. I was a little squeaky when they crossed the start-finish line. <laughs> it's it a little squeaky. Like the, it, it, it sounds like if the track was about six feet wider, we wouldn't have had these problems, right? It was so strange. <laughs> it was so strange. I'd never seen I-96 do this before. Turn two, turn one had a had banking, or excuse me, it had a cushion. They were hitting the cushion. They were driving in. Three and four had a cushion. They had everything. It was great. Turn two, blew off, put rubber down, became dry slick in a hurry and they could never get it back and it was really throwing a curveball to everybody uh jay steinebach went pro foreign off the back stretch we had drivers doing it in qualifying heat race actions i mean it was a pest all night and uh i mean it shows you two of the best in the business stambaugh and daggett both drove off the back straight away that's how tricky it was and uh, man how about brad lamberson picking up that first career win and now, Rich, it's our pleasure to bring in the guy who did pick up that first win Friday night. It's the driver of that Melling performance, number 27, Brad Lamberson. How's it going, my man? It's going good. Yeah, man. Uh, a Monday after what a, a successful weekend for you. I mean, we're talking about a win on Friday. That's what we're talking about. But then you backed it up with another runner-up performance on Saturday. And that's, uh, what is that, your second or third runner-up so far this year for GLSS, that team is just absolutely rolling right now. Yeah, I believe it's our second this year. Uh, that has really got us rolling good. So talk talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, expand on on your success this year. I mean, what has changed? Because I, I look at years past with you, and it seems like it's been a struggle. And you know, I, I think that that you recognize that as well. That you guys have had fast race cars, but you haven't been able to put whole nights together. And that's changed this year. What what is different? Well, it seems like uh, every time we were running up front, something would break, or the rear end would fall apart, or we'd even have a bone motor. 
but if we were running 15th, we'd finish the night out. <laughs> yeah, and so, so yeah, what is different? I mean, is it just a, a change of luck for you or what? I really think it is a change of luck. We got a new, good, fresh motor from uh, Marshall Campbell. I think he really put some good time into it this year. And uh, me and Roger have been busting our butts every night to get this thing faster. Brad, let's talk about uh, Friday night first. We'll start there at I-96. At what point of the night did you think, man, we got something for these boys tonight? I, I really didn't think I had anything for Dustin. He uh, he was flat out gone right off the start. I was just hoping that lap traffic would slow him up and I could make something happen, and he ended up sliding off the track, and that's where it happened. You know, when, when, when stuff like that, you know, you kind of got to be ready. You have to stay on your game, right? Because you can't just say, well, he's gone. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to catch him because thing, things like that can happen and you have to be ready to pounce right away. Yep. Once he got out to a good half straightaway lead, he didn't really leave me. So I, I knew I had something for him if we could just get into the lap traffic. I've been really smooth getting through them, but it was really tough to get through the lap traffic that night. It was slick around the bottom. Coming off, I was really good because I was able to cross up Max a couple of those sliders. I want to talk about that race that you had there with Max because it was a battle that I was watching as the announcer of the race because you're right, Dustin had kind of walked away and I had wrote that. I had almost wrote it down, right, that it was Daggett's win. And I was really watching that battle between you and Stambaugh for second. And then all of a sudden that became a battle for the lead and your and both of your guys' driving styles changed completely uh, to being all offensive and and there was no more just trying to hang on to the spots that you were in. Talk about that race that you ended up having with Max there on the closing laps. <laughs> Me and Max have been good friends ever since I got into racing sprint cars. And I think every every time we're racing together, it's all or nothing. <laughs> I want to talk about specifically, Brad, um, I think it was two to go into turns one and two. You have you had been running the high line in turns one and two, which actually was not exactly preferred off of turn two, but in three and four, the high line was for sure preferred. Stambaugh, he hit you with a slide job. Your thoughts and, and, and what you did to, to get out of that situation and get the lead back. I think I turned the defense mode with about five laps to go. I could feel him on my rear end for those last five laps something fierce i'm glad he didn't didn't get into me but i was just expecting that slider to come so i was able to check up and dive to the bottom as quick as possible to get him back a few times yeah the one that i'm thinking of there was i I don't know what it looked like from your seat but from where i was there was only maybe a couple of inches between his tail tank, your front bumper, his front bumper, and the tail tank of the lap car, Chase Ridenauer, as we talked about. I mean, that was threading the needle big time. And that just speaks, I think, to the talent of, that you guys are racing against there. Yeah, I don't think you could even fit a needle in between us on that one there. <laughs> it was really close. And we had two lap cars between Chase and I don't remember who the other guy was, but I just couldn't seem to get by him to throw a slider on both of them. My rear end would slide out from underneath me every time I tried to throw a slider. So I just had to play the defensive mode and 
hang on. How tough was it to hang on, as you said, with, and I mentioned it, turn two was unlike any other turn, unlike the rest of the track at all. It was really strange how turn two just became uh, an animal of its own. Talk about why it was different and how hard it was for you to get a hold of. Well, I, th- I think most of the night, straight out of qualifying, turn two was biting all of us. There just wasn't a whole lot to get a hold of. I think half of our uh, right rear tire had to be off the track and half of it had to be on. It was just a real fine line of grip. You know, Brad, uh, most people that follow sprint car racing would probably be surprised that this is your first win. But uh, talk about, and kind of Zach kind of led into it a little bit ago, um, this competition that you have to run against every single night as you travel throughout this series, um, it has to make you get better, right? Oh, most definitely. Now half the, half the field is so good. We just haven't had any luck. Every time I, like I said, every time we had a good run going, I'd be passing for the lead and a drive shaft would break or I would lose brakes coming from 10th to take the lead with five to go and on the last lap i lost all brakes and got hung up behind a lap car at butler a few years ago and uh lyndon jones stole that one from me so i think that was his first (laughs) career win there (laughs) i think it was too if i remember correctly but i was not happy for myself (laughs) now now let's talk about butler because now you got a win in your back pocket and it's saturday night you head to butler and you almost pulled the weekend double I was so close. I really didn't need that last caution. The red flag didn't help a whole lot, but uh, I think I started gaining on Dustin again once he was closing in on lap traffic. And then we got another caution, and there was only nine, nine, eight or nine laps to go, and he ran away with it. I'm surprised to hear you say that you didn't want that the those that series of caution flags because I thought it was giving you a chance to get get to Dustin. Um, what was what was the change there? Do you feel like he was getting held up in traffic, or or was clean air that important there? What what why why was the caution bad for you? Yes, the clean air was very important. Uh, Dustin, it's a it was obviously more of a one lane track uh, in the beginning of the race. I was making the tops of three and four work, but uh, coming off of four, it really went away after that red flag, and I just couldn't make it happen. So I had to play follow the leader for a bit. The lap traffic would have helped just because I knew where I could hit hit the tops of the three and four. I knew where I could catch some grip. I just had to make it make something happen coming off a of four there. Now you know uh, you know about what you did this weekend. You are now on all the radar of all these guys that you got to race <laughs> against now. Um, how do you feel about that? <laughs> it feels pretty good to be honest. I'm ready for it. It's been a long time coming. You know what I thought was awesome, and and I I wanted to talk to you about this, Brad. Was when you when you pulled down to Victory Lane, you were getting hugs and high fives and handshakes from all the people in your crew, and then people from other crews that you had competed against. But what I thought was awesome was the Daggett family was down there to congratulate you, the team that had just watched their driver give it away, basically. Um, what did that mean to you to have all those people come and congratulate you? It means the world to me. The Daggett's have been great friends of ours. Um, they've been down to our trailer, and we've been down to theirs every single night. 
we share our food and they share ours. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then the other thing that I thought was cool is it didn't stop, right? You got up into the upper pits and I finally had to leave, but it was it seemed like for the next hour or so you had people coming to congratulate you. This was really a popular win. Oh my god, it was. I mean, the crowd was so loud, I couldn't believe it when I got up into the pits. Every single driver was giving me high fives. It was it was unreal. And you know, Brad, we've talked to we've talked to a bunch of the guys. We've talked to Max and Jared and and, and Ryan, and um, you know, they all say the same thing. You guys are are really tough competitors on the racetrack, but with the Great Lakes Super Sprints, you guys are really a, a big family. You guys really do get along. Yes, every single one of them. I don't think I have any enemies in this series. They're all just like best friends, like you said, family members. Now, I have to ask, tell you, uh, we have a connection, if you didn't know this, and I'm going to tell you what, it, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Um, I have announced with Gary Lindahl for the last seven years, he is my partner at Flat Rock in Toledo. You want to tell everybody else how we are connected? <laughs> that is awesome. My girlfriend, that is uh, my girlfriend's uncle. Oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> that is pretty yep. cool. Now, I, I, I want to go back now and, and talk about, the rest of the season for you uh, because you were ecstatic with a second place finish at Tri-City about a month ago or so. Now you've picked up your your first win with GLSS, followed that up with a second place finish. Um, I mean, man, what do you have listed now for goals? What 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 do you want to do here for the rest of the season? we got a long way to go with this GLSS uh, schedule, right? we kind of got a mid-season break right now. And then things really fire up into July through August, uh, really through the early part of September, what are you looking at? What are you writing down? What are you hoping to be able to accomplish? Well, uh, I like the short tracks a lot. I think Merritt's going to be a good one. I've been close so many times there. Tri-City has been on my list for a while. I've been close there. Something always seems to go wrong. But uh, Tri-City, we finally got the job done, finishing second. Running up front and finishing the race is, is my goal. I just want to finish this year. I haven't really been paying attention to points and just focusing on having fun. <laughs> Do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I won't. I, I won't let you know. Well, I will. Zach, let... I'd like to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had my buddy. I uh, one of my two guys and good friends, Nick Nevin, just texted me yesterday saying I jumped up to fifth. Yeah, I would have never known. Yeah, and 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 here's the other thing too. You mentioned tracks that you want to go back to. I ninety six is on the schedule, I believe, four more times. Are you now more excited to go back to I ninety six and and bigger tracks? You know, Hartford's and Butler's. Um, now that you've got the the good momentum rolling. Yes, I'm very excited. I've been I've always been good at I ninety six. I think I've always been a top three car. I really didn't think I was going to win that one. I figured it was going to be a second or third place finish, but I'll take it how I can get it. And a couple of other schedule notes uh, that that I'm curious if they play into your hand. How about Hartford Speedway there, uh, you know, coming up here, I think after our next visit at 996, we'll go to Hartford, go there a couple of times. Also, we've got a, a rain out that we would, would need to make up there. What are your feelings about that place? I love Hartford. I really missed the half mile. I think I was a lot better on the half mile. But mm. We've been struggling there as well. I don't know what it is, if it's just set up or something breaking again, or what it was, but I think we'll have something for them this time. Now, Brad, some of these teams that you race against, um, 
you know, they're quite a bit larger teams. You're a family team. Talk about who helps you out in your family and, and, and what it takes to keep your program together. Yes, we are family operated. Yes, I'm sponsored by Melling Performance and Classic Metal Finishing, but we are still a low budget team, just racing each race as we go. Um, Melling and Classic Metal Finishing are my only two sponsors at the moment, so I'm always looking. So, it's my understanding that you're back in your own equipment then? Yes, I am. Because they only got one car right now. There for a couple of years, or I, I guess last year, year before, I was it was a little bit confusing for me on if you were driving for someone or if you were using your stuff. I mean, what your situation was was a little bit rocky there for a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah, very. Uh, last year, I didn't get my motor back due to the COVID deal, and uh, I was just searching for rides and Terry Bushy came out and offered me his ride for four or five races last year yeah it was uh very thankful now granted you as you said thankful that you had a chance to run that ride but again going back to your luck it seemed like you guys just struggled with that car um i mean were you concerned at all or or maybe just the opposite super excited to get back behind the wheel of your own stuff after that Yep, we uh, struggled with fuel pump issues last year with Terry's car. Uh, two out of the four nights we ran, we didn't even get to finish. So that was some more tough luck. I just bounced on to the next year. So I was very excited to get back into my own stuff and started, start the season fresh with a fresh motor and some extra sponsor money to race off of. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now let me ask you this. You mentioned one car. Uh, I, I can assume then that that means that your your primary plan this year is just going to be 360 racing or now that we've got a little break in the GLSS schedule are you going to uh, play around with some other 410 stuff or are you going to save your equipment I actually just sold my 410 2 weeks ago to Bill Rose so it's it's the main focus is 360 stuff uh, Mark Melling told me to put all the money towards the 360 program and get some wins <laughs> I think I did that for him well, man, uh, it's been really cool. I was I was so happy to be a part of that uh, that win on Friday. I was losing my mind in the tower. Uh, here's the other thing too that that may be overshadowed by this. Not only did you get your first win, but that could have been the best race. And I had people come up to me on Saturday and say, Zach, I think that was the best race I have seen all year at several racetracks across the board. Do you get a chance to to go fan mode at all and and look back at that and go, holy smokes? I was a part of an awesome show. Yep, I think I've watched that video probably twenty times already. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe it. <laughs> oh man! The, you know, the more you watch it, you're going to keep winning, right? <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> Man, I know you went through uh, through your sponsor list and your thank you list, and and uh, just a big congratulations from us. Uh, you know, we're supposed to be professionals and not have favorites, but I think I got. I think I can tell you this: I was rooting for you so hard Friday night because you always you can't wait for that guy to get his first win. And now that you've done it, no more favoritism. You got to do it on your own, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. Brad Brad Lamberson, driver of that Melling Performance number 27. Congratulations. Nice job. And uh, we'll look for you to racetrack here very soon. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Lar, thanks to Brad. And again, congratulations to him on an, on an exciting win uh, Friday and great runs so far. I don't know if he's got enough time to reel in Ryan Rule for the championship hunt, but if he keeps running like he is, anything's possible.
Big event coming up in just two days, Rich France. By the time some of our on-demand listeners find this show, this race is hopefully already going to be in the bag, but it's the Money in the Bank 150 presented by Budweiser from Berlin Raceway. And, Rich, this entry list is no slouch. What a what a list for some super late model drivers. Got to have a race like this on a Wednesday, right, Seth? Yeah, I know. Got to have a race like this on a Wednesday <laughs> on the other side of the state that, that I just can't get to. But, uh, no, this is awful impressive. Uh, I mean, who, who do we start with? Got to start with the hometown favorite. Um, he'll be back in that 71 Van Dorn Racing Development Machine. Uh, Carson Hosovar, been doing very well in the NASCAR Truck Series. Uh, now coming back uh, to his home in the late models at a track he won a championship and won a lot of races. Um, Zach, is it uh, his to lose? Well, or- yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that you can give this one to anybody right now uh, because you look at this entry list. Do we recall how good Evan Shantko was last year at Berlin? Haven't heard a whole lot out of him here in 2021. Is is he going to step back into contention? Oh, yeah, by the way, we've got a five-time USAC champion that's going to be running with Cody Swanson, points leader Joe Bush, and... Let's not overlook the guy who just raced his way into a guaranteed starting spot on Wednesday, Granville, Michigan's Tom Thomas. We tried to get a hold of him, couldn't get with him today. That guy has won a couple of features already this year, finished in the top five when he hasn't won, and Rich, he he won the qualifier race, the last one that they had, so he knows he's in, so he gets to work on that car just being as fast as he possibly can. Exactly, and we and we go down this list. You know, some of the people that you might not recognize or, or think – and say, oh, I've heard of that name, Derek Griffith. Derek Griffith has won about everything under the sun this year in a super late model. Uh, in the Northeast and in the South, he's been running awesome. And then, oh, what's this guy, Stephen Nassi? Has he ever won anything before? Yeah, he might have won a few big races <laughs> down South. And he's a, and he's the current Southern Super Series champion, by the way, if that matters. Um, and then how about the gentleman who's won two of these things, and they could probably – you know, they could probably name the thing after him in Brian Campbell. Yeah, so. and you kind of wonder about Brian, right? Been kind of quiet <clears throat> over the last couple of, uh, really the last couple of years, Rich, if we really want to break it down. That 47 machine is no slouch at Berlin Raceway, but he's been very quiet. And uh, I, I just I just wonder if, if guys are going to overlook him, and that may be a mistake on their end. A couple of other drivers. How about Jesse Love? That's a name you might recognize if you're a fan uh, favorite of the Mav team. TV. He was a former junior late model competitor out at Madeira. Moderna is the shot. Madeira is the city. Um, <laughs> I get them mixed up sometimes. But anyhow, Jesse Love, he uh, he was strong down south a couple of weeks ago, struggled at Nashville when he was there. Jeff Versek, you know that name very well. He picked up an outlaw win at Flat Rock a couple of weeks ago. Kind of new to the template stuff, though. Yeah, he went out last year uh, and brought the template car out in one of the, you know, in a couple of the events they ran at the Berlin Raceway in 2020. So, uh, so Jeff still still working on his uh, on his template program. It, he should be pretty good. Uh, another gentleman, obviously Kyle Crump. Uh, can't we have to talk about him, especially after his run last year at the Winchester 400? Just incredible. He'll be back in that 131 machine. Uh, Tyler Roerig, always, whenever he unloads, he's a threat to win. And uh, one of our buddies, Zach, uh, making his making his way up from Florida, Steve Dorr, coming north uh, to throw his hat in the ring. 
He's got a big $10,000 win this year at the Showtime Speedway. Yeah, 25 cars pre-registered as of uh, Monday morning for this event, and it's going to be a good one. Money in the Bank, Budweiser 150 coming up, and uh, we also should mention, too, this race is not just super late models. Reveal the Hammer is going to be in action as well with their outlaw cars, so we could see some double duty. I haven't seen an official entry list for those, but some of these names we've rattled off, Jeff Versek, um, let me see here. Cody Swanson, not known for outlaw cars, but he ran one at Kalamazoo a couple of weeks ago. Tyler Roerig, um, you know, there's guys in this entry list that we know can run outlaw cars as well, so it could be a really good doubleheader. Yeah, I've seen the list a little bit. Uh, you know, it looks like um, Andy Bozell, Phil Bozell are going to be taking a shot at that uh, because I think, I believe they're going to run Wednesday and Friday at Birch Run's Dixie Speedway. I reveal the Hammer's going to have a doubleheader this week. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on the car counts uh, uh, and, and who's going to show up. Uh, you know, the Outlaws seems like there's been a little bit of attrition lately. So yeah. we'll have to see we'll have to see who's who has cars that are ready to race right now. Well, Zach, and we have a gentleman that's going to take his shot uh, on Wednesday at the Money in the Bank 150. He drives the 131 uh, car in the Series CRA Super Series for Stan and Judy Rosen. And... Uh, He's got a huge event coming up. We'll get into all that. Uh, makes his home in Brighton, Michigan. Kyle Crump, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Always a good time being here. Man, let, let's uh, before we get into into Wednesday, um, let's talk about that 50 Outlaw you've been driving. Man, it's fast. You, you guys are just having a, a problem keeping that thing on the racetrack right now. Yeah, uh, just stuff's breaking that, I mean – shouldn't be breaking uh everything's brand new there's uh no expenses spared on that car and uh you know just breaking a rocker brand new rockers uh just snapped one of those at springport uh put a new engine in it for kalamazoo uh had it running the night before get to the track and uh oil pump failed you know just i don't even know what the failure rate is on like a peterson uh, oil pump is but I don't know. It failed on us. So you're about to figure uh, it out. A new one. <laughs> Apparently, one <Yeah>. in something. <laughs> exactly. Like, and uh, bought a new one, slapped it on, uh, and then just shredded the belt in uh, qualifying first lap on the track. Uh, I don't know if we had it a little too tight because we were in a rush trying to make it out there. But uh, uh, actually, some good news that came from that is I was uh, watching the gauges on the track, so I, I, I watched the drop oil pressure immediately. I shut it down and. Uh, Engine builder says I didn't hurt the engine too bad at all. Had a little bit of flaking on some of the bearings, but uh, got that uh, put new bearings in it, and uh, we should have that engine back pretty soon here. So hopefully we'll be able to make Dixie for the next Outlaw show. My goodness, and and again, this is not the main reason why we brought you on the show, but I think it it is something we should talk about the gut punches that come with these mechanical failures, Kyle. Because as a driver, you're not even doing anything wrong. <laughs> you haven't had a chance to do anything wrong. How do you move forward? How do you uh, try to put those behind you and and just next time you get in that car, just get in it run the darn thing and hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, I've had mechanical issues in the past, but never uh, a string of bad luck like I've had this year. So I don't know. I just try to clean slate, go to the track and uh, just know in my head I can perform. I got the car to do it. I got the crew to do it. And as long as everything stays together, uh, I truly believe we can be uh, contending for the wins pretty much everywhere we go. So uh, that, that's my game plan with the 131 this weekend. Uh, we've been having issues with that car as well. So there's a new engine in it. Uh, 
new stuff on the front end went through the whole thing. So we'll be testing there tomorrow, pending the rain holds off. And uh, just looking forward to getting back after it and uh, just getting another shot at it. Can't be uh, more thankful. Let's talk about Wednesday. Um, so you are, you're coming up on this uh, race that is one of the biggest. Uh, and, I mean, this race is so important for super late model racing. It's really starting to pick back up. You know, obviously we – we lost him, not lost him, but we lost the race a little bit last year due to COVID, and it wasn't co-sanctioned. But, man, this thing is, is really picking up steam again this year. And what what is it I, – I, what, what, how do I want to say this? What is the weight going into this race? Uh, midweek, a lot of money, a lot of cars, a lot of good cars. What are you feeling here on Monday before this run? Before this run? Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, what Berlin do- does in general is pretty cool between the uh, 251 and then the money in the bank. And uh, as a driver, for me, you know, uh, some of these big shows, it's kind of a chance for me to kind of show people what I can do. Because, you know, on a, on a weekday race, you're going to have uh, maybe some NASCAR drivers coming in like Carson Hosevar or just some other really top tier talent with the uh, money that is uh, put up on the line for this race. So, uh, from my viewpoint, it's just a, it's a really good opportunity to go out there and, uh, hopefully perform and, uh, just, <clears throat> just have that opportunity to, uh, to, to showcase yourself against some of the best competition out there and, uh, just makes it a lot of fun. You know, Kyle, I'm glad you led me into that because I'm looking at the entry list right now. I see Carson Hosovar, Jesse Love, Stephen Nassi, uh, Brian Campbell, Derek Griffith, um, that's a pretty stout field. And the last time you faced a field like that, we can reminisce, that worked out pretty well for you. Yeah, uh, I definitely think uh, some, of the, some of the guys from out of state or who haven't been to Berlin too much, they're in for a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Berlin's quite a tricky track uh, on a driver and on uh, the setup of the vehicle. So uh, if you don't really get the setup close on your race car, it's going to be a really long day at Berlin. But uh Thankfully, uh, Johnny and Butch Van Dorn, uh, they got a new setup under it for uh, this coming Wednesday. Yeah, this Wednesday uh, for this race. So I think I think we're going to be good right off the trailer. So uh, hopefully that'll lead to some good things. How, what is your track record with Berlin specifically? I mean, you know, it's it's such a unique racetrack, as we talked about. Uh, you're going to have to be on your game. You're going to have to have that car dialed in. But what about for you personally? How, how do you feel about the track heading in and, and whether it caters to or is a struggle for your assets as a driver? Uh, I personally, I like Berlin a lot. Uh, my first time there was back in 2013. Now it kind of feels like yesterday for me. Uh, the CRA race, uh, the Jegs tour, my first year running those style of cars. And that was back when we were getting like 35 to 40 cars for one of those races. And they're sending people home and uh, last chance qualifiers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had Chad Finley give me a setup. So I knew I was in good hands and I was actually able to run like, uh, I think I finished fourth that race. So I, I, I don't know if I picked Berlin up kind of fast, but uh, I definitely enjoy going there. You got to be really easy on the throttle and, uh, you just got to have a ton of drive off. Yet, what makes it tricky is you still got to be able to uh, have a car that turns well through the center. So you kind of got to find that fine line where you're not going to lose drive off and get loose on the exit of the corners, but still be able to keep that rolling speed up in the center. So wait a minute. You took setup advice from a guy who's running dirt late models now? Hold on. Um, <laughs> how reliable was that information? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I can't thank Chad and Jeff Finley enough. They really, uh, when I got into late model racing, they uh, kind of, it was my new home. I had my car at their shop and I was spending the nights over there and Chad kind of taught me everything I knew at the time as far as how to work on those things and how to set them up. You know, you know, Kyle, and you're, you talk about uh, trying to get set up for Berlin, but you know, you've shown in the past that um, you can really adapt to a different racetrack. You've won at Kalamazoo. Gosh, you had, had, had probably the run of your life at the Winchester 400 last year. And now you're going to go to a track for the money in the bank 150 That isn't like either one of those tracks. Yeah. I'm really excited to get back to Berlin. Uh, the last race I did actually, there was uh, the 251 in 2019. And uh, I finished second by like half a car to Boris Yurkovich. So uh, I really want to get back there. Uh, last year, we went there for a local show and my throttle hung and hit the wall pretty good and totaled the car. So I'm just going to try to put that one out of my mind and go back to 2019 and, you know, <laughs> how, uh, how I need the car to be and how to run the line and stuff around there. So, so what's the plan with the um, – we see what you're going to do with the 131 now. You guys uh... – New motor, you're going to start the Money in the Bank 150. What uh, What's the plans with the 50 car? Are you going to try to hit some more of the Reveal the Hammer events? Yeah, so with the Crosstown team and the uh, Outlaw car, uh, we played a lot by year because uh, they, they're running their own business on the side, or mainly. And uh, so when they get some time off or they get a little bit of a break, uh, we try to run that car as much as we can. So uh, their, their game plan is to go run uh, Dixie. Uh, I don't know if it's this Friday or next Friday, but uh, definitely run some of the Reveal the Hammer races. And then uh, if any other big outlaw shows come up, we're definitely going to be hitting those. And then uh, as long as they got some time off, definitely do some maybe some more local shows at Kalamazoo or just just some stuff to get some seat time in the car. And those guys love to race. So uh, anytime they get uh, an opportunity to race, we're probably going to be at a racetrack with that 50 car. Yeah, and just to let you know, you get a whole day break if you're gonna go to if you're gonna go to Dixie because that is this Friday. <laughs> yeah, I was actually just on the phone with uh, Bob Wheeler with the Crosstown Auto uh, Crosstown Motorsports team, and uh, we were actually we were debating on bringing the Outlaw to Berlin on Wednesday uh, to run do it. Uh, I was gonna do double duty, but uh, I decided to, I'll call that off. With how my year's been going, I'm just gonna focus on the <laughs> super late model. And uh, make sure <laughs> all my ducks are in a line, and hopefully uh, go out there and get a win. Well, Kyle, man, we uh, we love bringing you on the show. We love talking to you. And and it has. I asked Rich. I said, man, what's going on with Kyle lately? And he goes, well, he's really good at breaking stuff. Um, so hopefully <laughs> we can get you back to being really good at winning in some stuff, man. And uh, I didn't uh, mean that literally. Well, Kyle, but okay? yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes when the when uh, stuff starts going that way, it's really hard to shake that. And, you know, that's that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you, too, because this is such a big race. And, um, I mean, just your mental fortitude to be able to say, you know what, it's part of racing and we're going to keep pushing on and, and uh, we're still going to go out there and try to win a race. Yeah, I, I can't be thankful enough for uh, Stan and Judy. Uh, they spent a lot of money putting this car back together, getting a new engine for it and all kinds of new stuff for the front end, so. They're, they're not afraid to spend the money to make sure this thing's right. So uh, really looking forward to having a good run on Wednesday for them. And what I think what I think is cool, Kyle, you know, I stopped in there and, and we had a nice conversation Friday at Kalamazoo and everything that they were doing working on that race car, you still had a smile on your face. And I think that's what it's all about. Yeah, I can. Uh, with two great teams, man, I, I, it's such a blast to go to the racetrack. Uh, just hanging out with the guys and 
you know, go there, have a good time. I mean, it really sucks when you break stuff and you can't race, but, uh, you know, it's just good atmosphere. And, you know, that's really what it's all about at the end of the day. Well, Kyle, good luck, man. Uh, we know you got a lot of work to do here over the next uh, less than 48 hours, so we'll let you get back to it. Uh, hope that things go well for you this week on Wednesday and then this weekend as you get back in the outlaw. And uh, we appreciate you taking some time to join us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Well, thanks to Kyle for joining us and uh, giving us, helping us give a preview of what we could see in the Money in the Bank 150. So that is what's coming up this week, Wednesday, Arca CRA Super Series plus the uh, Budweiser Super Late Models and reveal the hammer uh, for the Outlaw Super Late Models. So this is going to be pretty good Wednesday at Berlin. And then, Rich, we head into the weekend with more pavement racing action highlighting the, the shows. Yeah, the Outlaws don't get a whole lot of break, do they? What You know, go fix it up on Thursday and get Let's Go Racing on Friday. Uh, Birch Runs Dixie Speedway, the big one, 100 laps, also reveal the hammer event for the Outlaw Super Late Models. Gates open at 5 p.m. at Dixie, racing at 7.15. And then, Rich, of course, on Saturday, you're going back home for a really fun event with Flat Rock Speedway. Tell me about it. Yeah, the Corrigan Race Fields 400. And you're like, oh, we're going to have a 400-lap race? No, yeah, we're going to yeah. run 400 laps. Exactly. Yeah, 100 laps, uh, the big race, biggest night of the year for the street stocks. Uh, they'll go 100 laps. Then we'll we'll end the night with a 250 lap enduro. Those are always fun. And packed in between, 25 laps for the MCR Dwarf Cars. That's the Steve Martin Memorial that takes takes place at Flat Rock every year. And 25 laps for the Bandolero Cars. Gates open at 5 p.m. Racing at 7 p.m. on Saturday at Flat Rock. And other roundy round stuff on Saturday. Great Lakes Traditional Sprints back in action at Butler on Saturday. And the Auto Value Bumper to Bumper Super Sprints will be in action. They'll return to Berlin Raceway. So not a really big uh, amount of time off for the staff at Berlin, but uh, a busy week nonetheless. And then, of course, our friend Chris Foby, he's going to get to smash some stuff up on Saturday too. Yeah, can I I was waiting for this story. That's why I, want, I put it on here. I wanted to help my buddy Chris, but it's going to be Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. Monster truck throwdown. Monster truck throwdown. Yeah. (laughs) With with Avenger, reckless driving, Brutus, terminal velocity, more. Oh, that just sounds fun, doesn't it? We can just go over there and have a good time on Saturday. Yeah, bring Um, bring the coolers, uh, bring bring the uh, bring the cash, and and enjoy a good show. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Zach. Twenty two dollars in advance, twenty five at the gate for adults. Twelve dollars in advance for the kids. Fifteen at the gate. Uh, advanced tickets and all show info, not at Springport Mid Michigan Speedway at www.monstertruckthrowdown.com. They'll have a pre-track party at noon, and then fire the engines at three o'clock in the afternoon. Big weekend of racing. If you're going to a weekly show or a special, uh, nonetheless, have fun. And uh, it looks like we're going to struggle with weather this week, but the weekend should shaping up nicely. So doesn't matter where you're going. We don't care. Rich and I would love to see you to race somewhere, but. Uh, just go and get your backside track side and that's going to do it for tonight's program appreciate daniel die joining us for an exclusive interview to kick things off of course brad lamberson kyle crump appreciate them as well tyler warig um mr uh let me see here hold on hold on steve needles who joined us as well and we got to give thanks to uh, mr bozell for making some time for us at the racetrack too this week and again our thanks to Doug True for supporting us in the COVID clash. So that's going to wrap things up for this week. For Scott Menlin, who pays the bills. For my partner, Rich France, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you so much for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings. We'll talk same time, same place next week, right here. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up 
on what's happening.